Hey everyone, Chris here with a quick bit of business before this episode gets underway. As you're listening, you might notice a few hard edits in the audio and the conversation bounces around a bit. That is because when we sat down to record this, we got off topic a little bit here and there. And our esteemed guest, Richard Bennett, works in the film industry. And to make sure that he continues to work in the film industry and no one gets in trouble, uh, I made a few cuts here and there just to make sure everything is copacetic. That said, this is one of my absolute favorite interviews we've ever done on this show. Uh, I love the world of uh, storyboard artists, as you know from our past episodes with uh, Ricardo Delgado. Uh, so getting to talk to um, another consummate professional in this industry uh, has been nothing but great joy. So please sit back and listen as past Chris and Jessica uh, interview the great Richard Bennett. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Country Kingdom Podcast. We are your hosts, Jessica, and I am Chris Eaton. Today we have a thrilling episode. We got a very special guest. He's got an awesome book coming out, and uh, we got a lot to talk about because he is knee deep in, in the films that we love, and uh, we're going to get a like a peek into this awesome book he's got coming out and his work that he does. Uh, Richard Bennett, correct? Yes. Yes. So, um, he has a brand new book out. It's, is, it's out now, right? Are we, uh, or is it's it not out yet. Press? It's on the, on the process of being out. Right? It's going to be out hopefully, um, by this fall. Okay, cool. So but, uh, it's on the, on the last stages, you know, of, of the final. Excellent. So, uh, if uh, so, the book in question is Godzilla and Kong. The it's the storyboard art of the MonsterVerse. I believe mm-hmm. that's so. Uh, you have worked on Kong, Kong Skull Island. You worked on King of the Monsters, and uh, most recently Godzilla versus Kong. And right. uh, this book is chronicling your work in in that in those that trilogy of sorts, right there. If uh, yes. if, I'm, if yes. I if I am correct, yes. So. Uh, as always, for those who don't know your work uh, and, and uh, you know, for people listening, especially younger folks who don't know what you do, you are a storyboard artist by trade. Is that correct? Yes. So uh, but going through your your IMDb and I call it that you you've you've lived a very exciting life and especially working uh-huh. in the industry. So uh, I always feel like when we get new uh, new guests on here, let's start. Where where are you from? First off. Uh, originally, I was, uh, I'm from Uruguay. I Ooh. was born and raised in Uruguay, in Montevideo. Mm-hmm. And then at the age of 21, uh, I moved to the States because I wanted to be a comic book artist. You know, that, that realization came very, very early on in my life. Um, what was, what was the inspiration? What, what caught your eye in you? What, what was catching your eye in Uruguay? The inspiration, the inspiration came at age three, if you can believe mm-hmm. it. Wow. Um, I didn't obviously I didn't know how to read, but I came across um a Batman comic book that had on the cover uh Ma- Mambat and Batman, right? They were in a swamp. Yeah. And I think it's it's uh Batman or Detective Comics four thirty two if I'm not mistaken. Was that a and Neil Adams? Had, was that a Neil Adams? Neil, exactly. Yeah. Neil Adams. Yeah. I did I didn't know. It's interesting speaking to this story, but, but I was I was haunted. 
by that image, you know? So there was no way I was going to leave the store without it. So my mom got it for me and, um, and I got addicted to that, man. You know what I mean? I just, I, 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 I love the form, the, the way the, the story was told in the drawings, like realistic drawings or pseudo-realistic, you know? Um, and that, that feeling kept increasing through the years. And when I was a teenager, I was firm into the idea of, of becoming a comic book artist, and no matter what I had to do for to do that, you know, and, you know, obviously involved me leaving my country because there was no no industry for comic books in Uruguay, a little bit in Argentina, but nothing compared to the U.S. or Europe. Um, and I always liked European comic books, but the heavy influence has always been American comic books, you know. Mm-hmm. So I moved at that age, twenty one. And I moved to New York, um, and I was, um, you, you know, I was going through different different companies. But the big break came through uh, Neil Neil Adams' uh, continuity. Um, wow! And it was kind of like full circle thing, you know. That uh, I've heard uh, I've heard stories from guys like Larry Hama and and uh, my own father who who loved Neil. Like he talked to artists that worked through him, and like he seemed like the guy that was always fostering art, the every, you know, artists when he saw talent, he's like, let's, let's get you there. Let's, let's hone you. Let's, let's, uh, well, let me tell uh, you something. My, my first mentor actually was, was a Uruguayan artist named Eduardo Barreto. And, you know, he hired me when I was 17 to do backgrounds on, on Teen Titans. Oh, wow. Um, and that was in Uruguay. And that was, mm-hmm. I forgot to mention that that was very, very important because it was a reaffirmation that it was possible. You know, I mean, it had nothing to do with mm-hmm. lack of self-esteem, but you have to be mm-hmm. realistic also. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when I saw this guy, you know, I mean, I, I knew about him, but but then when he hired me and and I saw that he was working from Uruguay for the States, you know, mm-hmm. um, that was a big, big change. And um, and I, I learned a lot with him. He was very encouraging. Um, Neil was my second mentor. And I, I can't emphasize enough how crucial he was for me to develop. I was very green, obviously, you know, when mm-hmm. I arrived here. But I had a lot of energy, you know. I had a, a lot of desire to draw, and that hopefully compensated, you know what I mean? But he would spend a lot of time with me, helping me out, improving the drawing, storytelling, et cetera. And uh, he, he was fantastic. I mean, I, I'm very thankful for, for what he did for me, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, actually, um, I'm an Eisner judge this year. And even when we read the comics and we're going through the nominations, Neil is still someone that we bring up because his impact is felt throughout decades of comics. And also, we even speak about the anniversaries of this year and a couple of years. And I believe you were part of Wildstorm. Uh, Yeah, for a while. And so you were part of these major legacies, whether it's an artist founded comic, you know, company, or whether it was a publishing group that still in many ways, their characters exist to this day, you know, and is brought over. So you were also integral in a lot of those parts. I was just fortunate enough to be there, to be part of it. And given the opportunities that I was given uh, by Neil, uh, by uh, Jim Lee, Mm-hmm. And and also the people from Marvel, uh, both uh, Susan Gaffney and Bob Harris. Um, so 
I'm just thankful. You know, I mean, I was fortunate enough. There are amazing artists that, you know, were there before I, and, and I still keep learning from them on a daily basis, you know? Yeah. Uh, um, um, Neil, Neil, I remember that going back to the mentor thing, he, he introduced me to Akira, you know, and uh, I didn't know about the book. And when he told me the idea he had for, for Cyber Rat, which was the title that I did with him, um, he wanted to do a mix of American comic books and, uh, and manga, you know, and, uh, and he showed me Akira and uh, it was like a, like a lightning bolt hitting in the head, you know. Uh, so I'm just saying that, you know, just, just to make a point of these key things that would happen, you know, uh, while in those places, other things happen at Wildstorm or Marvel, you know, but, uh, it was very, it was a learning experience, you know? So two things, one, let's, uh, for the people listening, uh, what year is this where, so we can set the stage? Uh, I arrived here, I arrived in New York in 1990. Oh, wow. wow. Okay. So 32 we're years ago. 32 well, years ago. Yeah. Right? I, I live most of my life. I live here actually. Wow. And then uh, if, if I may ask a quick question, because Neil was, you know, my dad was a, a an artist, you know, when I was growing up, Neil was talked about like legend in my household. Um, I've heard the man talk publicly a few times. Was he that way? Like behind this, like personally too? Cause he, that was a man that, knew how to tell a story and it will sound like in every form there ever was. What do you mean? Was he in that way? Because he was a, uh, no, he was a elegant, like the way the man spoke, like he could, he held your attention with such detail in the way he told stories. Like you were like, I could sit here and listen to you for like for three days straight. Like he, he held your attention Absolutely. like no one else. Of yeah. course he was. Absolutely. If anything, <laughs> I, I wish that I could have spent more time with him. Like I would, normally I would go on Fridays Mm-hmm. Like this, you know, and uh, and he would spend like a good forty five minutes hour with me. You know, he would put a he would grab my my the pages that I was bringing, put a vellum paper on top of it, and make corrections. You know, mm-hmm. um, and uh, but he had to go back to work. You know, because <laughs> it was yeah. a continuity. They did advertising, and and if anything, I wish that I could have spent more time with him. <laughs> But he, he he was amazing. He was a, he was a walking encyclopedia, you know. And and I think that I think that going back to what you, what you were saying, Jessica, um, and this is my opinion, right? I think it's going to be decades before another Neil Adams is born, because yeah. he he kind of like established the canon. It, it's, yeah. To me, it's before and after. If anything, if anything, I think that. Compare with him, the other one, I think that, we, but in, in different aspects, I would say, cre- uh, um, created a, a, a similar effect is Frank Miller. Mm. Frank Miller transcended into film. Mm. Yes. Film wasn't yes. the same. You know, it started with yes. Tim Burton and everything else after yeah. people yeah. don't realize it comes from Dark Knight Returns and Daredevil from Frank mm. Miller. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think that two of them, but as far as I think in a bigger sense, I, I think that Neil, it's, it's still reverberating. You know, I mean, you see people the way people yeah. draw today. I draw, you know, and a lot of artists do. I mean, I, obviously you have exceptions, but in general, I'm saying, in particular the superhero genre, yeah. um, he the, the influence that he he has is, is very, very, um, 
is strong, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, I mean just to, to send a comment, I mean, I could see, I'm looking at your work, there's, there's shades yeah. of like his style. Like it's still very much your own, but I, you know, now that I know you worked with the man, like it's, it's the framing, like the man had an yeah. incredible eye for, for, for framing, like, just dramatic poses like you sat there and you're looking like this is like a scene right out of a movie and it's uh, sadly something i think that's kind of lost on a lot of artists today there's there are those that do get it and then there are those that are just like all right here move on like there was a dramatic effect in comic books especially you know, if i think we segue this you work you, you went from connor you worked at marvel afterwards yes i worked with neil uh about three years mm-hmm. three years and a half and then um, I got in contact with Susan Gaffney at Marvel, and she was one of the associate X-Men editors. And at the time, she was having a project that she needed help with. Um, it was called the. It was kind of like a manual, like spiral-bound manual for the for the X the mansion of the X-Men. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was perfect for what I like to do. I mean, with Neil, I think that I think that what Neil liked initially from my work was uh, um, attention to to high tech, which I got from this uh, Argentinian artist named Juan Jimenez, who was another is another one of my idols, uh, and I think that Neil liked that, and he gave me free range to to do all that on CyberRat. So I, I I had three years to to develop that, and it just happened that it placed it it. it, it it felt at the right place at the right time when I contacted the people from Marvel because it was exactly what they needed for that project. Um, and that's how I started with them. Then, then Susan started giving me other, other books. Then it came to the attention of Bob Harris. And he, he uh, for a good year, I worked in, a, in several different uh, titles because what I would do is uh, to cover... Um, I think it's called Philips, you know, when let's say that one artist goes to vacation and that month I would take over and do that episode, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a good year, you know, so I worked in, in almost all the, all the titles. I worked, I did pencils and inks on both Uncanny X-Men and X-Men. And then I inked um, other artists, Greg Capullo. I worked with my very good friend, Wayne mm-hmm. Turner on Wolverine. Um did you ink the 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 Sauron story the Sauron one? I, I was looking at your work. There was there was a Sauron storyline that Larry Hama wrote. Was that your yes, yes, that yes. yes that's oh, one? Yes, yes, yes. Oh god, three issues. Yes, and, and I, I think it were three. Maybe he did four. Yeah, oh, don't quote me. I, that, they're I, in a I, box I, in the back room right now. I got the those are my to my childhood favorites right there. Good. <laughs> yeah, I, I inked two of those. Um, I couldn't continue inking those because um, then Bob uh, gave me. Um, Uncanny X-Men 303, and he allowed me to do pencils and inks. And that was a lot of work, but it's, it's one of the jobs I'm, I'm most proud from the stuff that I did, I did for Marvel. Um, the 90s but, is the, the glory days, man. <laughs> That's my area. You're, you're, speaking, you're speaking my language. That was... You're that pushing was, to the converted, dude. Oh, yeah. Yep. I mean, my dad had I, friends that don't... I mean, I've, people, I'm sorry, people have heard of you, but I, used, I spent a lot of my childhood in comic book stores. And yeah. I had two friends, and the, I was just yeah. eating that stuff up. The, you know, the the work I think improved um, technically through the years, but I never, I never had so much 
sheer fun us when I worked with Neil on cyber. That was, uh, I was in a, in a small apartment in Long Island. It was like a hut uh, <laughs> with, just a, with just a few books on my table, you know, but I was in cloud nine. It was fantastic. So then, so for Marvel, you spent, a, I'm sorry, you spent a few, you, you dallinced in Wildstorm, worked with Jim. And, yes, Jim, Jim, what happened uh, is that for, a lot of us would be called when when uh, when the books at Marvel started coming out, being published. Um, mm-hmm. they, they expanded, you know, at, 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 at Image. So mm-hmm. there were a lot of opportunities there. And and I got contacted by Jim, um, and he gave me an opportunity I couldn't refuse. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I was he allowed me to do the whole like writing uh, pencils and inks on a concept concept he had already for a, for a character brass, um, and I more or less based he he had a design but I he allowed me to redesign the character. So mm-hmm. you know I kept I kept in mind some of the some of the uh, lines that he had on the on the basic presentation, but he gave me complete car blanche to do whatever I wanted. And uh, that was great. I put a lot of energy in that book too. Yeah. So, so yeah. when do you, when do you make, when do you make the transition from comics to the film industry? What happened was that during the last year shot at Wallstrom, um, McFarlane hired me to do uh, background designs for the Spawn uh, cartoon. Ooh. So I got a taste of that. I got a taste for that. And to be honest with you, working in the film industry was a long-term goal. You know, it's a very interesting thing. Uh-huh. You know, going back to, going a little back in time to, to when I was a kid, I would draw um, on a sketch pad. I would draw stories, Right. And the drawing, the drawing language would be what I would be assimilating from comic books. But I wasn't, I wasn't um, structuring, uh, structuring the, the, the page on, let's say, on a, on a, on a uh, frame grid. Instead, I would draw one frame per page. Okay. And then 20 years later, I realized that that was called storyboards. <laughs> yeah. Like I was, I was drawing, like uh, using the comic book language, but in my head, I was seeing it as a movie, you know? So it was always a long-term goal to work in film. And, and then after the Spawn job, um, I tried to jump into the industry and I came across um, some obstacles and one of them is that I thought that uh, I still needed to improve my skills. So I went to the Art Center, to the full-time, full-time program at Art Center. And during the last term, I had the opportunity to work on AVP. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was my first gig in the film industry. Uh, and so I finished Art Center while, while working on, on AVP. Then I finished and I continued working on the movie until went to, uh, to production. Um, now, something very interesting happened is that I thought, okay, I'm, I'm set, you know, and it wasn't quite the case because 
I don't know if you're aware of this, but in the film industry, in order to work in uh, studio movies, like the big studio movies, um, you had to be a member of the union. Okay. And back then, um, now it's a lot easier. You know, it's a lot easier to get in. It's not easy, but it's easier. Uh, back when I wanted to get in, it was practically, practically impossible. You know, they, they, um, you could work on a, on a movie. Um, you needed to get into the union. You needed 30 days of consecutive work on a union movie. But mm-hmm. to work on a union movie, you had to be a member of the union. Yeah. Okay? So. Mm, yes. Yeah. So there were ways to get around that. But it was not easy. Around that time, um, I got in touch with David Fincher to do some commercials. And then David called me to work on Zodiac. And um, it wow. was through, through Zodiac that I was able mm-hmm. to get into the film industry. When the aftermath, when the cops come and do the whole, you know, investigation, not investigation, but, you know, when they come and, and see the yeah the cab and the body, you know, um, I, I boarded the first attack on the, on the um, parking lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's at the beginning of the movie. <clears throat> I, I boarded the opening, you know, the, when the camera goes into San Francisco oh, wow. Bay. Wow. And then yes. you see all the montage, you know, with the, <clears throat> with the, with the um, letter being delivered. Um, I boarded, um, I boarded the, the attack on lake on the lake, you know. The oh, you, oh, okay. That was about to add. That's, I mean, historically, that's like the most famous thing too. Like, it's uh, you know, not to sound weird, but like that's this Zodiac thing always always like intrigued me. I love that movie. Part of it because of my weird obsession with <laughs> with that thing. Not to be morbid or anything, but that that sequence is is amazing. And the no, fact that you just you just rang off all the bang. Watch it. It is an amazing movie. It's Absolutely it stunning. It's, it's really, it's really good. Um, with David, we work. I work also on uh, Benjamin Button and Social Network. You know, now, Benjamin Button. Benjamin Button is, mm-hmm. I would say, along with the stuff I did with Nolan, it, it's probably my favorite project from all the ones I, I did in in film. Would yeah. uh, uh, briefly, uh, what what would be the scene that people would know on Benjamin Button? Like, give us one that. That you, did. Uh, you remember when when he goes to uh, he goes to Paris to see Daisy, but we don't know mm-hmm. yet what happened. And he while he's entering the hospital, he does he he tell you know you hear the vo- the voice of camera, mm-hmm. um, kind of going to a flashback of how what happened, what it could happen, what could have happened, and what it happened as as a fact. You remember mm-hmm. that that the, the yeah. car driver hits her. All mm-hmm. that, all that uh, sequence. <clears throat> uh, I had to board that, and uh, you know, I was pretty happy with the results. Same with the same with the clock when when Mister Gato um, inaugurates a clock that goes mm-hmm. backwards, and he explains why why it goes backwards. And uh, you know, it was a lot of fun to draw uh, World War One stuff. Mm. You know. Uh, I like I like a lot of drawing drawing period material whatever it is. Oh, yeah, that's you good. Know? Now, if if you if you may uh, if you would indulge me for a second, so uh, Zodiac Benjamin Button are two very 
like visually heavy films. Uh, Social Network, a great movie in its own. It's a, it's, it's more, it's a very story driven movie. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot of people talking to be fair. Um, what, you know, when you're, when you're given that task, I mean, is it just a matter of like stage direction? Like what, yes. with a movie that's not so much, you know, like there's not so much going on. Like, is it, I mean, can you give us a little insight to how that goes? I, I, on, on, on social network, it wasn't nearly as, as much work um, as I did on the other movies. It was just a tiny fraction by comparison. And it was just stuff that we did um, for special effects. They needed some, you know, some help with uh, with VFX and and the boarding help on that department. You know, uh, Chris, we, I worked on Dunkirk and, and I worked on Tenet. Yes. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Now, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so let, real quick, let's uh, let's if we if I you might indulge us. Uh, Dunkirk. What and you talk about drawing awesome period piece stuff? Did you yeah. were you working on like on the plane stuff? On the plane, yes. On the plane and on the um, on the pier where all the soldiers mm-hmm. were. Um, so did you do this, this, was that? Uh, did did you do the strafing scene? When when the, the plane, on? yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man. Yeah, it's all you know the 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 boards that I did a good chunk of the boards I did. One cool Chris, one thing that is cool that Chris does is that he um that he did he he published the screenplay, mm-hmm. and then you have part of the book or most of the book with the screenplay, and then he included some of the storyboards on the book. You know, so that that um. That scene is included. Oh, that's just beautiful. Later, you know? And then Tenet um, was a lot of, like, backwards. Tenet, yeah. That Tenet, <laughs> by far, was the most... Um, it, it was not the hardest, but it was the most um, complex, I would say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes. Not Tenet in general, but that scene. The, the scene when the, mm-hmm. the, the backwards, the, the two um, bolt, bolt scenes when the you know, fight goes backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very complex, you know, but, you know, I'm saying because people ask, oh, how, how do you do with that scene? How do you, you get a director like him and that's it. That's why you get to do the scene like that. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's amazing. That's all I can say. I have sitting in my library is the making of the matrix. And it's got all, it's got the screenplay and it's got all of like Jeff Darrow's <laughs> You got to do, yeah, yeah. That the I I the, the the fact that there's not more of that out out in the world is just, just infuriating. Ah, uh, that right yes. there, yes. That book, yes. that book. I remember yeah. that was a that was a Christmas gift. That my my uh, my uh, my mom asked me, "What do you want?" I'm like, "I just want this book." And I poured over that book so many times. I actually had to buy a second copy. Because I I opened it, I read it, I studied it so much because I was obsessed with that movie and everything. Just you look at the de- detailings in that stuff, and I'm just like God, I want. Why don't more people put out like at least more students put out this this kind of work? Because especially with these bigger films, like there's so I like I know there's so much that goes into this. It's like there's so much you could be showing off, and there's because again also shows how many people really work on these things. Like how much how 
many arms and, and legs and minds it takes to assemble a, a large film of this sort. And which is why I was like, when you, we'll, we'll get to in a second, I don't want to jump too far. This is why I'm like, oh, you're doing the, you're doing this thing. So you're, you're doing it. You're doing the thing that I like. So um, it's a very, if, it's a very collaborative process. Um, yeah. Um, um, on a film, real it's probably, it's probably from the jobs I've been on is the most collaborative. It's very or organic. Mm -hmm. You know, so best thing is to part the ego outside the building because it, 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 you know it's like it's like sculpting basically. You know? Yeah. Obviously, there's a there like Ridley said. There's like a, at the end of the day, there's a captain on the ship, mm -hmm. but you know you exchange ideas and they evolve, keep evolving. You know, and, you know, finally they hopefully they make it to the big screen. You know. Well, if while we're at it, before we jump into the monster stuff, there's a couple. There's just a few I want to because you've you got a a scroll like one of those king scrolls like back in the day of your IMDb work. Like it just yeah. it's like the joke. It just keeps rolling and rolling down like it's massive. But um, uh, I mean, we could spend hours on it, but I don't want to take up too much of your time on on that stuff. Real quick, I want to ask you about three hundred because again, another that's like the one of the few times like it, like a comic book like panels like we're trying to be translated to a screen and this is you worked on 300 yeah so what 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 was that like real quick uh, it was great uh, what i can tell you is that i i didn't get the chance to work too closely with with um zach but he had notes like he would sketch you know um, mm -hmm. basically what he needed and that Again, you know, I mean, when when directors can can sketch, that that makes a difference because then, <laughs> then you're on the same page, you know. Um, yeah. And um, he would send notes like that, and and you know, then you would turn them into real boards, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but that was that. You know, it was about it. It wasn't a long, a terribly long project. It was it lasted about three months. Okay, but what I can tell you is that I did a lot of drawings in three months. <laughs> you know? um, that's a very visual. That's a that's a pure like like much like the next one I'm going to ask you about. That is a yeah, visual. Don't forget, don't forget that there's like a to put it mildly strong graphic novel mm -hmm. behind it. So and by by you know especially by a, a titan in the industry too. It's Frank exactly. Miller's uh, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I have to ask about I have to ask about Tron Legacy. Mm -hmm. Because again, you want to talk about visuals like uh, that. That movie is just it's 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 a visual like bombardment. Uh, not only it's even design wise too. I mean, there's there's complexities in that thing. There, there's a there's a I, I, I hate to use the term, but there's a simple complexity. Like you look at it, and you're like everything visually is appeasing to that, but once you get closer, you're like, man, there's just the work that goes into this. Um, For sure. When you came on, like we're like, because that doesn't look, it doesn't, it's Tron, but it doesn't look anything like old Tron. This is something new and wild. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, you know, there's a, there's a, if you ask me, there's a bunch of things that I think um, um, were part or, or, or ingredients for, for it to be uh, such a visual, visually, um, intense movie you know uh mm -hmm. the, the art department is one of the most solid art departments i have ever worked on 
So you have to give, first of all, Joe, Joe is one of the directors with one of the mo most visual uh, senses that I've ever worked with. Mm. You know, he's, mm. um, he knew it. He, he, he said, you know, he knew, he knew what he wanted. Um, and then the production designer, um, Darren, Darren Guilford, he's amazing also. And he put together um, a key cast art department with some of the best illustrators in the, in the industry. I'm talking about concept guys, right? Mm -hmm. um, Ed Natividad, Victor Martinez, David Levi, uh, Neville Page, you name them, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, Joe knew about, uh, about my work through David, through Fincher. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's how I came into the pro into the project, and then and then they brought in two more artists that are friends of mine who are also storyboard artists, and you know one of them is one of the Jedi masters, Phil Norwood, and Dwayne Turner. Dwayne Turner came in too, mm, um, nice. so we were in charge of the storyboards. But you see what I mean? You had all these mm -hmm. amazing artists doing the designs, designs of the car or the or the um, ships. Then we will grab that, incorporate that into the boards, and so on and so on. Yeah. So and now, hopefully, it answers Yeah, it does. But uh, to to expand upon that, because you know, boards are are some artists like I've seen some extensively detailed boards, and I've seen some very just nuanced, quick drawings because you're just trying to get the point across because it's camera direction. Or you know, setting up like with something like Tron, that's like that. Like how much, like the work you're when you're when you're doing your work, like how much of that uh, when you because you're working with a director, how much detailing are you putting in into these boards? Like I'm, I'm very curious about that that aspect. I'll tell you what, because of that, um, because of that synthesized elegance that I think that you were implying. Mm -hmm. The boards, I, I try to emulate that. I, I try to go with that static. You know, mm -hmm. whenever I, I work on a film or with a director, I always try to adapt to both the movie as, as it is, the, the time, mm -hmm. very important, mm -hmm. and, the, and the needs of the director. And all directors are different. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Uh, mm -hmm. So that being said, I try, to, I try to, be, to keep consistent with the work. But sometimes you, you get to draw more detail, other times less detail, and other times you just draw the basics, you know. But uh, with with the Tron, I had the chance to do detail work up to the level that I like because, honestly, I don't like to draw stick figures. Mm -hmm. You know, I come, from, I come from comic books, you yeah. know. So some habits are hard to kill. And and uh, it, it, I'm, because it's a very it's a very good point that you're bringing. Early mm -hmm. on, when, when I was at Art Center, I I went there to become a concept guy, a concept artist. I didn't want to have nothing to do with storyboards, because oh. the storyboards that I saw early on, they were very sketchy, and the drawing sometimes wasn't that good. You know, the figure wasn't that good, oh. and I said I don't want to have nothing to do with this. You know. Then when I went to AVP, I was there since the very very beginning. So Paul allowed me to spend time with some of the sequences that normally is, it's not the case, you know? And all of a sudden I found myself bringing everything I learned in comic books and putting it in, into a new language, 
that then later would hopefully translate into into the big big screen, right? So, you know, uh, it, it was big because I realized that I liked it. You know, I I, I was able to invest, invest, reinvest all what I learned in comic books into the, this new form, and um, and that's what I'm trying to say. Sometimes, sometimes uh, you have to regulate the mm-hmm. amount of detail that that you can put on 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 any given project. And then, real quick, being a comic book guy going into the films, I'm looking at you got to work on the Avengers, so yes. now it's you're kind of coming full circle now. Yeah. How just real quick, quick. How was it just working on that 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 film? Uh, which one are you talking about, the Josh Whedon or the brothers? Both. Oh, we can the, do the, both. The, oh, we yeah, can do both. Can, yeah, that's a different <laughs> aspect. On the, yes. on the Josh Whedon yeah. project, the Josh Whedon project, they called me uh, right right before they were uh, shooting. So okay. I met Josh, but I didn't work with him because they called mm-hmm. me to do the opening sequence. You know, the tunnel chase. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. With uh, with Nick Fury mm-hmm. um, and Loki. So uh, on that, I worked with the second unit director. Okay. Um, and it went great. You know, um, I worked remotely because they were in, uh, they were not in LA. And at the time I was living there. So I worked remotely and that was fantastic. Um, but that was just only that scene in the mm. beginning. Um the the other two, uh, Infinity War and Endgame, yes, I worked with the brothers because, I, you know, we were, I worked with them on the Captain America movies before, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. Which, if I can say my favorite from all the projects I did with them by, by a long shot is uh, Winter Soldier. Yes, yeah. Because it's a, it's a period movie, you know? It's not a period <laughs> movie, but, you know, it it's along yeah. the lines of Three Days of the Condor and all that, which I absolutely love, you know? Yeah, it's still by far um, my favorite Marvel movie too. Yeah, it's a spy movie, yeah. but it has that edge, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was very interesting to see Robert Redford playing the villains <laughs> in Three Days of the Condor. He was, uh, yeah. you know, the good guy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, on on yes, on the Avengers movies, uh, that was different. Uh, did a lot of work. Um, they're they're great. Um, they know the characters, you know. So that 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 helps a lot. Well, I think that every director of Marvel has to has to be familiar with the characters. But um, yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's not just you can tell that they're enjoying them. Yeah, it had to feel just like coming full circle. More um, natural in a way, based on what I did before. But it's interesting, you know, because back in the day, I I. I love, and I still love, but I, I, all I wanted to draw was science fiction, okay? Mm-hmm. High-tech science fiction, cyberpunk, you know, I was like eating William Gibson books for lunch. And and uh, in these days, uh, it's not like I don't like science fiction anymore, but I'm not as interested, you know? I, I, I if you, if you give me the choice between working on a, on a sci-fi movie and, um, an American Revolution movie. I'll pick the American Revolution movie. You know, for me to do that. We all grow, we change, and our tastes change. You know, as we as we age and we we you know 
put some miles on in this this thing we call life. So yeah. let's jump to why you know we have you on. You got a book coming out. Yes, it's a book uh, from from the three films. It it it, um, it has all the work I did for the three Godzilla Kong movies I worked on for for Legendary. So I'm going to sh- give it a shout out. It's Godzilla and Kong: The Cinematic Storyboard Art of Richard Bennett. It is through Clover Press. Col- yeah, Clover Press. Yeah. All oh, right. So I see it's up. You can order it now. I will have the link in the show notes for anybody that's interested in buying it. And we'll, we're going to plug that one more time at the end. So how did you get into the, the MonsterVerse? Because we got a lot of fans here who love the MonsterVerse stuff. I'm looking at the some of the, the boards that you have posted. And you, again, like that comic book aesthetic is there and just adds yeah. so much <laughs> dynamic to the stuff. Well, it's like I said, you know, whenever... I told you that about sci-fi, but with that being said, whenever I work mm-hmm. on sci-fi, what I do kind of like lends itself, it, it, it fits better, you know, or more mm-hmm. naturally. Does it make sense? So yeah. it's fun. It's fun. Don't get me wrong. I, I enjoy it. Um, with, with, the, with these movies, uh, the first one I did was uh, Kong, Kong Skull Island. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I, I um, had the chance to work on the first Godzilla movie, but I, uh, at the time I was working on Star Trek, so I couldn't take it. Mm. Um, and um, Skull Island, uh, a good friend of mine, Stefan Decken, he's uh, the production designer. He called me for uh, for this for this movie, and well, you know, I I, I happened to one. Uh, then. Um, King of Monsters, the, the the Godzilla movie was through uh, Scott Chambliss, the production designer, also, and I worked with Scott on Star Trek. So you know he 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 showed the boards, my samples to the director, and that's how I got in. And um, I understand that on Godzilla versus Kong, Adam knew my work because of this Dunker book that I mentioned to you before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and the production designer, they had two production designers, Tom Hammock and Owen Patterson, who's a production designer of those uh, Matrix boards you have in mm-hmm. the book. Yeah. Um, so Adam, I think, talked to uh, to Owen, and Owen, uh, you know, Owen knew me from, from something else I did for him. He's a small industry, man. <laughs> you know? I was going to, Yeah. Same with comics, Jessica. You know, everybody knows everybody. Yeah, it is. It is. And it's also a lot by word of mouth. When someone discovers work that they like or they know that you do great, consistent work or you have versatility, everybody kind of knows, you know, because a lot of stories I hear are the same as you is. And then someone knew me from my previous work and then they introduced me to that person or that person sought me out. Sometimes you hear that people have to submit for a job or, you know, a project, but some is like, no, someone knew me who worked with me before. And then that's how I got there. And I found that very interesting as what Absolutely. you were saying. Absolutely. The, the best people ask, you know, do you have an agent or whatever? No, I don't have an agent. I yeah. <laughs> yeah. I tried, I tried to do good work. Yes. Because, you know, a teacher, Earl Gerson, we got this amazing teacher, uh, small business management. We will look for that. So even if someone who's in a hiring position may not know your name, but like you said, you do great work, 
they'll be like, who did the storyboard art? Who is this person? I want mm -hmm. to hire that person to do this work because I like what I see. And it's very difficult for in other industries, maybe, but it's very difficult for someone to say, oh, that was me. That was my art. And it wasn't them because very quickly someone's going to figure out you did not draw this or you were not the person that I thought. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and so it, they it, will look for you. You know, they yeah. they'll know. Yeah, yeah. It would be silly to do that. You know what I mean? Because yeah. this, this, the drawing part, and that goes for comic books too, you know, but the, yes. the thing in comics is that in comics, the drawing is the end product. Yeah. Right. In film, drawing is just, in storyboards, I mean, it's, it's just part of it. It's, it's a means yes. to an end. Yeah. And, and the drawing part is just part of it. That's what, you know, sometimes you don't, people, People that let's say don't put um, uh, an X amount of detail, that doesn't mean that they're uh, better or worse. You know, they if they right. sometimes people right. can do with very they can be very concise and and yet yeah. make the point of what the director needs and that's it. That's all they need. Yeah. You know, right. so it would be silly to, for somebody to say, "Oh, I did this," and then not being able to pull it off. You know. Exactly. Yeah, and you were saying in comics in terms of end the end product i know you do storyboard and we have friends who are concept artists uh one of our guests in the past uh is the motion capture for godzilla and we have people who do the cgi for godzilla when you see the film and i know your part do you ever look at the kaiju or the character and say oh that's not what i envisioned not in a bad way but just like, oh, I didn't know that was going to be the end product, you no, know, no. like because no. because every artist sees something a little bit different. And so when it actually I have concept artist friends who are like, you know, we drew it. I liked it. But whoever above me says that's not what I want. I want the spikes to be bigger or something. And I even have friends who are like, I worked on the film and I like what I saw, but it was different than what I imagined. You know, do you ever have that moment when you're watching no, the final Jessica, product no, of the film? No, no, not really, not really. Um, one thing I learned very, very early on, when I worked on AVP, I, I had the chance to, that was an amazing project, not, not, not only because of the fact mm. that I was working on, I like Predator, but what I really like is Alien, okay? <laughs> yeah. And that movie's I very evident of that too. I couldn't believe it, dude. When I was working, I, I had to pinch myself. I'm I'm, I'm drawing xenomorphs. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and not only that, but I had the chance to work with amazing people on the project. You know, I, yeah. I worked with John Bruno, who was the visual effects oh. guy for a lot of James mm -hmm. Cameron movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's where I met uh, Phil Norwood, and I met one of my. I mean, I love Phil, but. Also, another hero in storyboards is, is an artist named Brent Boats. Um, and he was also on the project. And I met a concept guy who's unbelievable, Steve Burke. So mm. it was all of us in the same office. Mm. Um, and uh, I, was a, I was a green guy. And, and, and I was trying to, you know, take as much as I could from... from yeah, work, yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah. Um, and in, in talking with uh, with John, um, I learned that you don't get you don't get enamored with boards. You know, obviously you can have certain preferences. You know, I'll tell you what what happens to me is that if I go to see the movie and I see that it reflects somehow what I drew, 
I, 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 I'm, in, I, I'm in cloud nine, okay? I'm, <laughs> I'm very yes. happy. But if I see something that resembles what I did, but somehow changed or it went to a different direction, it's all good. That's part of the that's part of the process. Mm. Of, mm. I mean, storyboarding is it's a it's just a jumping off point. It doesn't mean that it'll be reflected hundred percent. You have to understand also that a lot of times. Um, the boards then are, are handed to the previous guys and the previous guys do their own take. And yeah, yeah. Like I said in the very beginning, it's very collaborative and very organic. You know, it, it shapes, shifts, shifts, it changes shape. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, if what you end up seeing on the screen doesn't look exactly like what you had in mind or what you drew, it's for a reason. You know, yeah. uh, so I get happy when I see it more, you know, closely reflected to what I did. But that's that's what I can tell you. Right. So what can you tell us about drawing monsters? Because it looks like you're I, I'm looking at I'm looking at a board I pulled up here in front of me. It's the sequence of Kong coming out of the crater and he's got the axe in his hand. Yeah, and uh, is that just um, it's if again feels right out of a comic book? Like he, he's coming up, pulling out, and he just Godzilla like turning and looking, and then the like you even drew like the 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 angry face, like just the like the <laughs> oh, okay, we're getting going, we're we're gonna get started with this uh, uh, again. Like it, how much of that are you like putting your own little personal touch on as you're doing this stuff? You know these creatures, I like to treat them not as as just sheer monsters, but but as characters, mm-hmm. and and uh, even in, even with Kong, with Kong is a little easier because uh, you know the you know the actor that played the villain in Godzilla versus Kong, Damien. Uh, I can't remember mm-hmm. his name right now, but I saw an interview with him, and he said it best. You know, it's easier to to identify with uh, with Kong's soul than that it is it is to identify with Godzilla's uh, soul, right? Mm-hmm. But that being said, even with a, a creature like Godzilla, I try I always try to do something that you know would would make it um, behave or look like a character. Make sense rather than just a, a giant yeah, around and, and, and destroying buildings. Um, give well, some expression. That's very evident in that. What is that? Yeah, and it's very evident in that. That it's very evident in that third in that in that versus film. Like that is our. I mean, that's I, I know people have their opinions. I personally loved it because of one that main reason. Like they Kong is yeah Kong has character. Kong had character there, but. Godzilla was, he had probably the most character that came out of him in like the last like 20 years of films. And the fact also, he was kind of a dick. And that just really <laughs> made him even that much better, too. Like there's just face, the body expressions, the facial expressions, the little laughs and stuff like that. Like when he's like beating up Kong and like, have, you can see like taking some glee into it. Like there's it's those moments that really, made, I think that's why a lot of people really took to this film. Look, I have, a, I have an eleven-year-old, and when he when, well, when he saw it, he was ten, but he loved it. He loved mm-hmm. it, and, and when I saw that, I thought, okay, this is good, you know. <laughs> but uh, but 
Yeah, that's that's what I try to do with these things. It's just um, it's just um, treat them like characters, you know, just like mm-hmm. like monsters, like beating the living crap out of each other. But put some something else there that hopefully will will uh, will stay, will reverberate, and you know help help with the process, you know, because you know then then when the when this goes to to the guys that do the VFX, that's when the real thing happens. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully that, you know, I try to do stuff that will help them help the director. Yeah. So mm-hmm. let's talk about the book. What were the origins of this? Because we were talking about like, as I was saying earlier, like not enough people are doing this, like putting out the storyboards. Like, And I'm assuming there's yeah. some, sometimes there's maybe some rights issues. Maybe that's an amazing book that came out this past year, uh, this year, earlier this year. It's not ended yet. Mm-hmm. Um uh, it was published by uh, Trevor Goring, who's a veteran um, storyboard artist. Uh, it's called The Unseen Art of Hollywood. You should mm. check it out because it has a compendium of subjects, different movies, and different artists. You know, it, it was published by um, Hermes. Hermes. Um, um, Hermes. Hermes. Is Hermes. it H E R M E S? Yeah, yeah. Yes, Hermes yes. Publishing. Yes. yes. Yeah, I'm aware. Same people that. that put out the Gil Kane books, Jessica. Yes. You know, the Gil Kane. Um, yeah. Oscar. Can't remember the title, but. <laughs> I yeah. Um, yeah. It's you should check it out. But um, anyway, um, the book the uh, I I was working on idea on the idea of, of publishing a book with the work for a long time. And I got the the green light to use some of the stuff I did. Um, not some, all of the boards I did with David Fincher, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, JJ uh, helped me uh, with the Star Trek Star Trek uh, boards, and um, the boards I did for Brad Bird on Mission Impossible. So yeah. I wanted to put up, publish a book with that material. Um, but it was harder than I thought to find an, uh, a publisher that was interested, actually, mm. in publishing a, a book with storyboards. You know, a, a lot of people were interested, but I'll tell you what, they wanted to do a how-to book. Uh, oh, yeah, I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? A book like, oh, this is how you do it. And to, to me, it would be preposterous, you know, for me to tell, oh, this is how you do it. I, 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 I just wanted to do a nice coffee table book showing the work. That's it. It's also yeah. much more narrow in the audience and the consumer that can be purchased because I, I can't draw. So I'm always an admirer and a supporter of artists. I do not get as much out of a how-to book. But as someone who can see who loves film because it's such a large industry, people, the concept art books or like the art of Zootopia or whatever it is, I see all kinds of people own it. But they're not artists. They either like animals or they like Disney or they like animation. So your book is a much smarter and wiser direction to go because you don't have to be an artist. You can just love the film specifically or the franchise specifically or something else. Maybe they're just a fan of yours or maybe they just want storyboard. Like there's different reasons to purchase your particular book. And And it appeals to a much broader audience and consumer. Absolutely, absolutely, and, and a big part of that 
credit is uh, the publishers. You know, the, the, the guys mm-hmm. that own the company, I knew them back from the Wall Street days. Ted Adams mm. and Robbie Robbins, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, then Hank and Alsh came also as publisher. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, he, um, they, they, I knew them and, but I didn't know what, what, that they had the company. I knew, I knew that they were uh, part of, they were founders of IDW, I think, if I'm not mistaken. But I, at the time, uh, I didn't know that they had Clover Press. And uh, Dwayne Turner told me about them, you know, that they were doing this. Uh, and so I approached them. I, I, I pitched the idea of doing a storyboard book. And with this material that I mentioned, that I had, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And they looked at all the work I did. And, and Hank and Robbie came back and said, Richard, why don't we do, what, what about this? What about doing a book? that focuses on the three monster verse uh, movies that you did. Mm-hmm. And I say, yes, absolutely. You know, for all the reasons that you mentioned, you know, I thought that, you know, it would be, it would appeal. Some people would buy it, not because they even give a damn about storyboards, but because they're fans of the Kaiju genre or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's, that's, that's why, you know, we'd say, okay, let's do that. And then, you know, they, uh, it was a process, you know. We had to obviously get the permission from the studio to do to use the boards. Yeah, and yeah. I, I had a very good relationship with the producers, so I contact them. I asked. I started the, you know, the process in a way. Yeah. And then uh, Hank took over uh, from mm. from over Hank, and he was fantastic. He he worked all the negotiations. And um, we got the we got the the green light, and then we did the Kickstarter campaign, and the Kickstarter campaign went awesome because it went well over what we uh, we anticipated that we needed to to publish the book, and now it's on its way to to be out. That's incredible. So, so content wise, let's let's t- let's dip into this real quick. Um, I'm assuming a lot of things. Yeah, I mean, as you said, you had to get clearance from the studios, and I'm I'm assuming they're probably also, you know, probably saying yes or no to what can be used in that. Um, how much from each movie, like just in general, are you um, are, are we going to see in this book? Like, how much content from like each each one? That's a good question, dude. Um, it's going to have a, a, all all the boards that I did from the scenes that made it into the film. But one okay. one very cool, one interesting thing that it's going to include is uh, unused uh, scenes or mm, deleted scenes. Yes, which is why these books are so important. Mm-hmm. Storyboard and concept art, you get to see all the different processes and decisions yeah. that they had to make exactly. and options that they had to make. Exactly. You see, that's that's uh, what what... People that get it, the, the readers will see is they'll be able to compare, you know, because sometimes even you see the, you know, deleted scene, but yeah. then you see that the final version still includes segments or boards from the yes. mm-hmm. so-called deleted scene. Yes. Mm-hmm. And what that yes. implies is that, you know, it's a process, you know, the, yeah. we manipulate, we change things, do uh, storyboard surgery, you know, yeah, and, mm-hmm. and then you see the final thing, you know. 
but but uh, what I was aiming at is at, at showing at, at, at um, showing something that would uh, give a little insight on the process on, yeah. of storyboarding. And yeah. Is, there, like, is yeah. there anything particular that you can share that like uh, just a little, little taste, a little little something to, to titillate those who have not bought the book yet? There's a scene on on. Um, Called, because it's, the, the, I'll tell you what the book is divided by in three chapters. It's in mm-hmm. three movies, obviously, and they're put in chrono, chronological order. Mm-hmm. So on Con's Call Island, um, the third act changed change drastically from from, mm-hmm. from you know some of the drafts to what it was done eventually, and and uh, people will be able to see that they will be able to see what the First, um, the third act was going to be on the first draft, and how mm-hmm. it ended up, you know. There's uh, and there's uh, when um, you remember when they arrived to the Iwi village. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, the the story was, and you you'll see it on the on the images I'm going to send you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story was that they arrived, and the. The village look look more more look more like a boat city, but boats that would be in trees, you know, and and mm-hmm. uh, wreckage of World War Two airplanes, and there's like a big uh, there's like a B twenty nine part of an airplane, mm-hmm. um, and uh, one of the characters is inside, and you're looking at them arriving, and that that's that's included in the book, and on on. Uh, on Kong versus on Godzilla versus Kong, for example, the 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 scene when um, when the on stuff that was never I have a wide collection of scripts for projects that I never saw the light of day that almost did like Romero, Resident Evil, uh, Ridley Scott's I Am Legend stuff like that. So I even love it when when I just even little things here and there when things are just tweaked. I love seeing like oh that could have been that. What how would have that impacted the movie if you know, it's just those. Again, it's the the art of filmmaking. It's the decisions that are made down the line that re, that you know finalize the, the 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 film you see. But like at any moment, it could have gone another way or this way. And the, that's and you see the 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 thinking process, the mulling process. Of like, do we go down that road or do we go down that road? So I love it all. I you're I I cannot wait to get this book into my hand. Like I, I've I've. Put in, I'm putting in an order this week, and I cannot. I absolutely cannot wait. This is, this is my. Uh, it's 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 my. It's the stuff I love the most. You, you monsters and and filmmaking. So, hmm. and your book allows both an in depth process on like kind of what goes on. It's both educational, but it also gives the entertainment aspect of a what if universe, an alternate universe to kind of see the different paths, different ways, or things that were boarded but didn't quite make it into film. And I also believe it would answer questions that viewers have. You know, a lot of viewers would be like, well, why didn't this happen? Or why didn't this kaiju look like, you know, they have all kinds of questions normally is what after a film. But when you get a book like that, sometimes it's actually answered for you. And then you can see why it went the direction that it did to its final product. That is product. true. Yeah, yeah. It's different. When you, when you get the chance to see it, you know, uh, 
see it, you know, see it with shape and form, and then you can yes. you can compare and it's easier to to understand, you know, why why certain decisions were made. Yes. Said, yes. You know? Yeah. Yes, it did very much so. So once again, uh, that's through Clover Press. You can order the. It's or it's available for order on their website. What I'm looking at right now. And, One thing uh, I, I should say is this, Chris, mm-hmm. um, that this this first batch that is going to be mm-hmm. printed uh, obviously focuses on the on the order the from the backers, back. you know, from the Kickstarter yeah. backers, you know. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing is that whoever orders the book before it goes through the printer on this batch, he mm-hmm. her his book will be included. Added to that, you know what I mean? Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Later, the book, the, the book, I understand, as I understand, it will be available um, anyway later, but it will have to go mm-hmm. through a second, a second printing. Okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's what I understood from the from the process. I mean, they can all people can always contact the the publish directly and ask any questions that they they have. I um, saw, I I saw with a few. Of those backers, you're uh, including some original sketches too, right? Some of the higher backers. Yeah, that was part of the campaign. And very quickly, they they asked me if I could do another 15 <laughs> sketches. You know, you, you so, published one that's an yeah. absolute. Just, you published one recently, which caught my attention to all this. And oh yeah, Kong, on, on Instagram, yeah, yeah, Kong fighting Ghidorah, and I'm just like, oh, that is awesome. That is absolutely amazing. Like it's something like. Yeah. Kind of yeah, the, you know the fun of those sketches was that I I could do whatever whatever I wanted. Mm-hmm. So I tried to resist the temptation to, to put <laughs> the sketches up because I want to wait. I want to wait until the book is out to to uh, to post the sketches. Because um, also I you know people are gonna be getting the sketches you know yeah so. You know, I'm ruining the surprise, right? If, if I <laughs> but eventually, they'll see. They will eventually see the light of day in some. Yeah, form, well, some eventually, way. but yeah. I, I want them to see them first. You know, whoever. Yeah. Whoever got. Well, them, I mean, that's know? it's part and parcel of the case. It's like they paid their good money, so they should be honestly they they should be first to to really exactly. you know, take Absolutely. a look at it before before well, the rest of that, us get to peer. That being, that being said, I can tell you that you know. With some sketches, I, I just went crazy, you know. I, I, <laughs> I didn't have anything, anything, any, any obstacles. I could do whatever I wanted. Yeah, so it was fun. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun, actually. Oh, that's wonderful! And Clover Press is like the perfect. I know you said Clover because they do a lot of compendiums and other graphic novels and stuff. So I feel like they understood the importance of. I, I'm very thankful, you know, that they they gave me this opportunity that they were interested. Um, I really appreciate that, and and hopefully um, it won't be the. Hopefully there will be more. You know, we'll see. Um, as long as they keep yeah, cranking the, as long that? as they keep cranking, as long as they keep cranking out these movies and you're working on them, yeah, like I, let's go deep, let's go volume. You know, Chris, the, the the tricky part is to get the um, the green light. If yes, you, I, yes. My my. Um, Suspicion is that you know if you don't see more artists publishing their work, I mean storyboard artists, mm-hmm. um, it's because it's not that easy to get to get the permit to get their authorization mm. to to use that artwork. You have to understand. That, um, I I have this uh, very strict um, 
very strict rule of, of uh, not publishing, not even hinting at anything before the project gets released. You know, that yes. will be a yes. career suicide if, if you pull yeah. something. You know, you know, because I, sometimes <clears throat> I guess that if something is on the trailer, <clears throat> people think that might be, might be okay. You know, um, I even if it's in the trailer, I, I don't post anything until the project is released. Because sometimes that stuff in the trailer doesn't even make it into the final film. That's, that's the cool thing of having a having different seasons. I, I mean, I live, I need, I lived in LA for a long time. We have two seasons. We have two seasons. Memories there, but I can tell you one thing that I always missed in LA, and, and I'm not, I'm not lying. People that know me can tell you because I always rant about this. I missed rain like crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my fondest memories yeah. in, while living in New York was going to the going to Marvel to bring pages or to Neil. That's kind of <laughs> how it is out here. I mean, it's been cool. I mean, we've gotten to the 60s uh, in the last few weeks, and, you know, that's California yeah. cold, as you know. So, yeah. Yeah. I remember that, yes. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, let's get the good people. Uh, where can they find you online if they want to follow your work? Uh, I know you got an Instagram. Uh, and, and on Instagram. I don't have a website. Mm-hmm. And my work, um, I mean, I, I, I've included some of the comic book work I did there, but, you know, very sporadically. The most like 90% of the work that I put on Instagram is is a work I do in storyboards, which is what I do nowadays, you know. So mm-hmm. um, it's uh, all lowercase uh, Richard Bennett underscore uh, storyboards. That's it. Awesome, and uh, so they can follow you there. And that's uh, they can if anybody ever wanted to ask you, like you know, get in touch, uh, you know, talk to you, they can message you and all that good stuff through theirs, through Instagram. Well, right? they, they exactly they can they can reach out from through the through the page. Awesome. So, uh, and I'm looking at your IMDb, and it looks like you're knee deep in work. So it doesn't look like you have to worry about a job security for a long while. So. That's great. I don't take I hope... it for granted. It, you know? mm-hmm. <laughs> I just take it on a on a project by project basis. Uh, Amen. Uh, May you work until your hands can no longer work. So I hope. <laughs> I hope you know. that's, that, that's, yeah. that's for sure. They, they'll find me right mm-hmm. here when I'm with the flies around. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, we're going to wrap this up. Jessica, can you tell the good people where they can find more of our work? Yes, the kaiju. Oh, oh yes, you can actually find us. You can find us on the kaijukingdompodcast.com. We are also on Facebook, Instagram, for those who dare, Twitter. Uh, and you can also find our podcast on Apple Podcasts and anywhere where podcasts can be found. All right. Well, on that note, thank you, Richard. This was a thrilling episode. I love talking, especially to people in the industry, like the stuff you guys do. You guys have, you guys are some of the most interesting people on the face of the planet. So I thank you for your time. Uh, This has been nothing but a pleasure. So that will do it for for this edition of the Kaiju Kingdom podcast for myself, Jessica, and Richard. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next time.